seconds, reality as you know it will cease to exist. In its place, you will find a new dimension, identical to the one you've left behind, only slightly better. Take a deep breath and open your mind to the magic within you. This is no ordinary podcast. This podcast is a ritual. Before we get into our second installment of Talk to the Wizard, I wanted to take a moment to thank every single person who has reached out or written in so far and offered to take part in this project. I have read all of your submissions. I am sorry for the challenges that you're going through. And I want you all to know that even though this project is hitting capacity for this anniversary, I'm going to be responding to every single email personally. And I don't know what we're going to do yet after this project comes to a close, but I have a feeling that there's going to be room for more Talk to the Wizard episodes and Wisno therapy in the future. So even if we don't get to you this time around, I appreciate you reaching out. I will be personally responding with an in-depth email and who knows where it's going to go from here. But the creations, the connection, and the magic we're sharing in will guide us. And so I just trust that process and I hope you do too. Now, today's conversation with Fraser is very interesting and I think will resonate with quite a few of you considering the themes I've seen coming up again and again in these submissions. But before we get into it, I wanted to call out two things that I've learned so far in my hypnotherapy and wizardry careers respectively. The first one in my hypnotherapy is that when I started, I thought I was supposed to do hypnosis every single session. I mean, I am a hypnotherapist after all. But what I found is there were times where a client would come in and we'd be more than halfway through and I'd be looking at the clock thinking, oh, geez, I got to get them to be quiet so we can do some hypnosis now. That's what they're here for. When I realized, no, they were here because they wanted to talk. They were engaged in the story they were sharing. The conversation was helpful to them. And there was no need to arbitrarily change gears just because of the idea that I'm a hypnotist. I'm a wizard. I'm a people helper. And focusing on that is more important. So now I think of hypnosis as a tool that is available to be used if the situation calls for it. And in today's episode, there isn't any real hypnosis because it wasn't called for. And so wisnotherapy is not just one particular thing. And I think the danger of a lot of therapies is that they try to be one particular thing. Wisnotherapy is an encounter between someone seeking help and a wizard offering that help. And the magic that comes from that exchange is something that I think should be a little surprising to both parties. The second thing that I think this conversation with Fraser illustrates really well is the idea of a reframe. Often, we go to therapy because we think that there are good things that we want to be doing and bad things that we're mad at ourselves that we keep doing. 
We don't want to feel sad. We don't want to feel anxious. We wish that we were harder working and more productive. And this tension between these polarities of good and bad often keeps us trapped. And one of the things that I've learned, which is delightfully paradoxical in that beautifully wizardly way, is that it's helpful to go towards the things that we label as bad and unwanted, to be curious about them, to be open to them, to explore them. This doesn't mean that it's fun to go around feeling anxious and depressed all the time, but by trying to eliminate and shut out those parts of our experience, we often end up making them stronger and more resistant. So today, there is a term that Fraser uses that is originally at the heart of the problem. And through this conversation, I feel like we were able to turn it inside out and make it something certainly more than slightly better and definitely delightfully magical. So without further ado, let's listen to Fraser talk to the wizard. Hi, Fraser. Hello. Welcome to Ritual Space. It's super cool to be here. Thank you for having me. How are you feeling right now? Um, I would say a little bit, a little bit nervous. Mm-hmm. Um, but generally happy. Um, excited that it's Halloween today. It is Halloween today. So I'm looking forward to to little the little kids later and mm-hmm. passing out candy. Yeah, the veil has thinned between the worlds. <laughs> yes. So everyone generally starts off nervous. That's a totally normal place to begin. How would you like to feel at the end of today? What would be your kind of goal about where you'd like to get to? Um, I would say more clarity. Clarity, okay. Yeah, definitely clarity and I think more confident. Wonderful. Okay, so clarity. I know that you wrote in and you had a quite a variety of things that you're juggling these days, but why don't you just tell me a little bit about uh, how you got to the place that you are now and uh, what you'd like some clarity around? Yeah, sure. Um, So I am in my second year of my PhD. I never saw myself getting a PhD, Mm -hmm. but the opportunity arose um, for me to use my dad's military credits to continue my education. And Mm. I'm like, hey, if I can use the government's money to maybe, you know, do some good work, (laughs) then why not, right? Mm Mm-hmm. So I kind of went into this not really knowing what to expect. Um, Thought I was going to go into the workforce after my master's full time. I've been kind of like part time in the workforce for the past couple of years doing work on things that... um, that really bring me a lot of joy and passion. But some of those times, like they, they don't actually pay very well or sometimes not at all. Yeah. And that's okay with me most of the time. Um, but then sometimes <laughs> it gets a little bit hard over here. Mm-hmm. Um, and so then you have to pick up other responsibilities. Yeah. So doing the PhD, not really like going between different subjects that I'm interested in studying. Um, I've heard it's normal for people to like start off somewhere and then completely change their research Mm -hmm. as you dig deeper into the literature and stuff because you found out like, oh, someone has already done what I want to do. (laughs) Yeah. Someone wrote that paper already. Let's, Let's take on something else. 
Exactly. Um, And so I've kind of just like I switched from being interested in vibrations and how biophilia and sound are effective in hospitals. What is biophilia? Biophilia is really just like the love of nature. Okay. It's very broad. Yeah. Um, it can, and then like with biophilic architecture and stuff like that, Mm. it can literally just be mimicking nature in any shape or form, or even just having like a giant window that you see out into nature. (laughs) So making hospital design where it feels natural and comfortable rather than, uh, an austere prison dormitory where they're like, here's your pudding cup. Yeah. Yeah. And like, like I even thought of like, instead of hearing like beeping machines, maybe we change like the beeping machines to sound like crickets chirping. Or yeah. I know there's a whole like field that. about how do we make, especially for the nursing staff as well, of like, if you're going to have to hear this noise in the background forever, how do we make it so you both pay attention to it, but aren't driven mad by it? Yeah, yeah. exactly. Okay. <laughs> So there's already so much research on that. So Mm -hmm. I steered away and I've lived in Florida for like like six years of my life. Mm. Um, And so I was like recently with all the hurricanes and everything that we see happening, I have been getting into stormwater management a lot and looking into ways that communities can build empowerment through stormwater management and creating um, biological infrastructure that preserves the community while also bringing animals and different species, their biodiversity back and doing kind of like a conservation dual purpose Mm -hmm. kind of situation. And so I've been looking at like how to design a a decision-making framework off of that Mm -hmm. for communities. So it makes it a little bit easier for communities and governments to navigate making decisions around that kind of infrastructure. Is that kind of like almost like a flow chart of, did this happen? Yes. Okay. Go to the next box. That's sort of. Yeah, kind of. So it's like looking at like, okay, do you have a wetlands? Do Mm -hmm. you have mangroves? What do you have? And then deciding, okay, like this places degraded or we don't have this at all should we perhaps make a manufactured coral reef Mm, and mm -hmm. allow it to absorb like the pressure of the waves yeah Uh, kind of like kind of a flow chart in a way but a very very complex one where we're also including like how many people in the community what is the equity of the community do they how much money do they have yeah um, and what does their government structure look like? Who are the leaders there? And so when did you pivot from the uh, the more hospital-focused one to this project? About six months ago. About six months ago. This, this time last year, um, in December, January, I'd say, after I read a bunch of stuff yeah. that was, it was very much like, yeah, Basically, we have all the research for this. Mm -hmm. It's the money that is not making this possible. And the fact that hospitals are designed for efficiency and changing our entire hospital system requires an exuberant amount of funds that nobody wants to necessarily put into that. Yeah. You realize that you can come up with really good solutions that a for-profit hospital industry is going to go, no, thank you, and just do what they're going to do anyways. (laughs) Yeah. 
Exactly. <laughs> and so that was disheartening. We like our dormitory prisons and pudding cubs. Don't you try and put crickets in here. Um, so, okay, let's just kind of see if we can repeat back what you've said so far. So looking for clarity and you were not always envisioning, I dream of doing a PhD in stormwater management. So you got into a PhD program because there was an opportunity. You went in one direction and realized that you wanted to pivot. And now you're at a point where there feels like there's some uncertainty, probably due to the pivot six months ago. Yeah, a bit of that. And then I'm also like, I've um, the PhD, I feel like has led me to a bunch of other really amazing opportunities that like the main focus had like of my PhDs kind of drifted away. Mm -hmm. um, I've been working for the director of the program because there wasn't a lot of organization mm. and so on and so forth. And I'm really good with organizing um, and building community and just like kind of bringing different people together because the cohort was kind of all spread apart, not yeah. really talking to each other. And so I've been kind of like organizing all of our files and trying to put together events and stuff like that. Like we have plants giving coming up mm. where we just give away plants to people, which will be really fun. So I'm doing like really cool stuff like that that is has nothing really to do with my PhD, but I am feeling much more fulfilled by that than my actual research. Yeah. And I'm like, oh man, I wish that I could feel as fulfilled in my research as I do like working for the director or like I did um, native nursery volunteering and that was really fun. Mm -hmm. um, and I've done volunteering for a nonprofit that's now kind of like pittered off that was focused on conservation and, and indigenous led conservation, which was super awesome. Mm -hmm. But did not pay the bills. Um, yeah. and it needed a lot of time. And so I'd had to, you know, give kind of that up to focus more on the PhD, but it's not bringing me mm, like the same kind of like passion and drive mm -hmm. to do it. It's like, okay, just time to get it done. Just put your head down and focus and do it. Yeah. <laughs> and how many years of putting your head down and focusing would be left? I have basically like a year and a half if I stay on track. Okay. So not that long, mm. but still, it's, it's just like I, if I'm going to do something for this long, uh, I want it to be some kind of, some kind of joy in there. <laughs> mm -hmm. Yeah. And is, the, are you tempted to do yet another pivot? No, I no. actually am not. Okay. I actually have been really enjoying what, um, I'm looking at it's just like the imposter syndrome and the work that goes into it. Like I have no idea what I'm doing. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah. Okay. So I think we'll pause that thread there and we're going to come back to it, but I want to work our way through time. So uh, when you were a little kid, what did you want to be when you grew up? Mm, honestly, I thought that I could do something where I would just be doing dealing with rocks all day. I loved mm. rocks. Yeah. <laughs> um, and when I was a little kid, I did a lot of silly things like start, I started like flower stands and um, making jewelry and like selling it at lemonade stands. 
And just like, I did a lot of stuff outside, just making stuff with my hands a lot Mm -hmm. was um, a lot of passion for me. And just like living in a pretend world constantly Mm -hmm. of just like with these made up rules, like out in the forest with my friends made a very, very unsafe um, tree house. (laughs) (laughs) Were you the one that was kind of corralling your friends around, let's build a tree house? Were you an organizer in those groups? There's there's uh, me and then one other person who was like, yes, we are building a tree house. Yeah. And then like everyone else like, okay, well, what do we do? And we we're like, we're going to put this stick here and that stick there. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, tell me, do you, do you remember any of these made up rules or any of these kind of uh, fantasy elements that stick with you? Um, yeah. So I guess a lot of it was like, we were, would be like, pretend that we're like transported into like a magical world Mm -hmm. where you can fly. Obviously that's, that's number one. Um, (laughs) um, and then just making silly things like we would make like soup, um, out of dandelions and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And we would pretend to eat it. And, um, we would also pretend like that the frogs could talk cause we had a lot of frogs in our neighborhood. Yeah. Stuff like that. <laughs> yeah. The enchanted world of childhood. That's wonderful. And was your, tell me more about your rock fascination. Did you have like a collection of interesting gemstones? Were you cracking geodes? How did this rock fascination show up? Um, just Everywhere I would go, I'd find like cool rocks, um, put them in my pockets Mm -hmm. constantly. My mom would have to like check my pants for rocks all the time. Um, The geodes, like my mom did get me a geode one time that she let me smash, which was very cool. Um, But most of the rocks were just like normal rocks you'd find on the ground that I'm like, oh, this seems like a special rock. (laughs) Yeah. So it it was rocks that you found special, not, oh, that's, uh, and I'm not going to be able to name a single kind of rock, <laughs> but like, <laughs> you know, ah, that's what that is. That's a specific stone. Yeah. So were you interested in the science of rocks or just the finding them and the, your identification of what felt special? Um, uh, the science probably came later. Mm-hmm. Um, as I got older, uh, my grandma had a daycare. And so I, I lived with her while both my parents were deployed. And so I got to like kind of hang out when she had ran it out of her home. So there's like 4 a.m. kids showing up. And so like I'd get up early and be with all these kids and kind of like show them. I would show them my rock collection and stuff like that. And it's when they started like asking me questions Mm -hmm. about like these rocks, like what, what kind of rock is this? What does it do? And I'm like, I don't know. That's a good question. (laughs) And then I started looking into that stuff and getting a lot of like um, books from the library and things like that. And then I got into that led me into being like fascinated with like outer space Mm. and stuff like that. And then like having pretend classes with the kids um, and like teaching them things. Cause my grandma had like this giant, like blackboard downstairs. And so like I'd sit down all these like little kids and we would talk about space and math together. (laughs) That's amazing. 
So you were just curious about the world and finding rocks that you thought were cool and wanted to share them. And then when people were like, what are these? You're like, well, I should learn some more about that. And I am also at the library. So I'll look at this book about space. And now I have this cool stuff and I can share that with the other kids. And that's awesome. Um, how did that develop? What did you, what were you passionate about in like high school? Um, high school, I got really into stagecraft. Mm. Um, I used to do a lot of sports um, and stuff like that. And I changed because I'm a military brat, like mm-hmm. moved, moved around like yeah. constantly. So I was constantly like the weird kid, you know, mm-hmm. like the weird new kid. And so that, that With a pocket got, full like, of rocks and a lot of space facts. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and like that got me into like a lot of interesting and like kind of like able to reinvent myself every time mm-hmm. I moved. So I started off in high school at one place that I was in like ROTC and stuff. Yeah. And then that didn't really work out because I was falling asleep standing up in formation because I was getting up to go to school at 4 a.m. Because mm. um, I got into like some kind of like specialty center that was like two hours away yeah. and take a bus. It was crazy. And then finally, we moved from that high school to Florida. And so then I kind of like pivoted into different interests. And I also kind of, when I was in school in Virginia, I also was very into sports Mm. and moving to Florida. I kind of left sports behind because I liked cross country Mm. and um, soccer. And Florida is super hot, you know. So I kind of stopped doing those things just because it was so hot outside. I was not used to it. Sure. And I pivoted to like the drama department and got really into stagecraft and making things. And the fact that they let high schoolers use table saws <laughs> and all these kind of like crazy equipment with minimal supervision was really mind blowing to me looking back on it. Yeah. Then I was like, yeah, this is normal. <laughs> mm-hmm. And so I really enjoyed like actually like fashioning things and making like staircases, you know, like yeah. making stuff kind of out of nothing, you know, is was really fun. And I got in trouble all the time for helping my friends with their projects that they were being graded on because Mm -hmm. they were like, ah, I can't figure this out. Like, can you help me? And like, I would help them. And then my stagecraft professor is like, you can't help Sharon with her thing because she needs to figure it out on her own. (laughs) Yeah. You got to punish kids for trying to help each other. That's not what we want. Yeah. Yeah, no teamwork here. These grades are solo grades. (laughs) Yeah, that's not a life lesson anyone's going to want to have of teamwork and helping supporting other people. Uh, So then let's talk about college. Uh, What did you study? And then also what was your kind of social world in college? Okay, yeah. So college, when I went into it, I was really like into environmental science by the end of high Mm -hmm. school. Um, And I was also really into how to change the world. And so I thought policy and politics Mm -hmm. was the way to do that. And so I was like, hmm, what school would be good for that? I ended up finding American University in D.C. Mm -hmm. And I went there and oh my goodness, that was a very interesting and miserable experience. There is, uh, it was a very like competitive school and I myself am not like super competitive and like competitive 
comparing myself to other people mm-hmm. because of, I think it's because I moved a lot that yeah. like I saw how vastly different everyone really is. Um, and so I'm always like, ah, yeah, like I don't need to compare myself to you. But there it was like super normal for everyone to be like, well, I'm doing it eight internships, what are you doing kind of situation. And so it made it really hard to make genuine connections there because everyone was, it felt like social climbing. Yeah. Um, And there was like an obvious have and have not situation at that school. It's like you could, you could obviously tell like the difference. And I was definitely not like in the um in the rich crowd and so on and who so had forth. alumni parents versus who was getting in on a scholarship yeah, yeah. And, and i was there completely funded by the military yeah. <laughs> um other kids probably and, were too but in a different way <laughs> in a very different way you yeah. know the the lockheed martin children yeah yeah <laughs> But um, it was it was very obvious, and so like making those those connections and those friendships um, that were sincere. And I, when I connect with friends, like I have friends, you know, even though I've moved so much, still like from middle school, like I have a middle school friend coming to visit me soon yeah. and stuff. Like to me, like my friends are like almost like my siblings sure. because like I just. I love them so much. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and like, I'm also an only child. So that kind of brings yeah. that about is like, I have these like deep attachments to people. And yeah. so I couldn't find that in, um, in uh, undergrad. And I went into like a very big depression. Mm-hmm. And my mother also had gotten like, right as I was graduating high school, she had fallen from like a 20 foot like rappelling tower and landed on the back of her head. And that was her like ninth concussion. And it was a severe concussion. And um, she basically like lost her job and got like dishonorably discharged. And we had to, because no one would take responsibility for that. They didn't even take her to the hospital after that because it was during annual training. Wow. Because the people who were supposed to be spotting people, they yeah. were busy gossiping with each other. Yeah. <laughs> and so she basically went through this whole fight to get justice for herself, like during my entire um, undergrad. And so I couldn't even talk to her on the phone um, because she was stuttering. She would just be like, um, 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 because that's what a yeah. head injury will do to you. Yeah, concussions can be very a, severe. Yeah. And because it's a untreated one, it got way worse than it ever needed to be because it just went untreated for about a year and a half before she finally got help and started going on her recovery journey. So Mm -hmm. I felt completely alone and isolated um, in those years. And so I like ended up with friends who weren't necessarily have the best interest at heart when I was in there. I ended up you know, getting walked on a lot. I didn't have any boundaries. Mm. Um, I, you know, they call it getting sexiled when like you're exiled from your room because your roommates are yeah. having people over mm-hmm. and, and, you know, right. doing some things. There's a tie on the doorknob <laughs> or whatever. Yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. So that ended up, my roommate came in with a partner. So she was constantly kicking me out of the room. Um, I almost was never allowed in my room. Yeah. And I didn't have any boundaries to say, hey, like, no, that's not okay. Like, mm-hmm. I need to be in my own space too. Yeah. Um, 
And then, you know, we ended up getting an apartment together, which just like translated later into like more boundaries being overstepped. Mm -hmm. And then eventually it became like a health issue because she wouldn't clean. And so we had cockroaches everywhere because she would just like leave her food for like days in her room. And Mm, how cute. Oh my God. And I had to, she wouldn't let me call an exterminator or like let the apartments know. And so I did it behind her back, hoping that they would just come and like not She wouldn't notice, but they slipped a note under the door and she found it. And oh my God, she like blew up on me. And it was like a whole thing. She wanted to move out because I wanted to kill the cockroaches. So she said it was inhumane. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, I'm, I, that sounds like a difficult time, and I'm, I'm especially sorry to hear about your mother's issues and the, you know, uh, the frustrations of a military bureaucracy. And I'll just kind of leave it at that, so we can stay focused on you. Uh, but moving beyond this period, um, how did you decide to go get a master's, and what did you pursue there? So COVID, beautiful COVID, um, happened Mm -hmm. right as I was um, finishing up undergrad. And I had a couple job opportunities on on the table. And as COVID hit, bam, no job opportunities. All of everything that I had applied for was like, no, we're not actually hiring anymore. We rescind our offer. So sorry. Mm -hmm. Good luck. And so I was like, oh, God, what what do I do? that I was like, screw it, I guess I'll get a master's degree. Because I had just run into uh, this woman who was ahead of the natural resources um, school. And it was like natural resources and sustainable development management. Mm-hmm. And that sounded really cool to me. And I had been in school for um, international relations and had had a couple internships, realized this isn't the place for me. This is not how you make change. Yeah. Everything is corrupt. Yep. Um, just going to swap. It, it literally made me very sad because I was like, oh my God, how can I change the world? <laughs> and then I'm like, okay, natural resources. Maybe that's a little bit of a better, better mm-hmm. route that might get me closer to nature and away from the policy world. Um, and so I found that program and basically got to talk to the director and she was like, yeah, if you apply don't even worry about it. You're in. And I'm like, awesome, cool, applied. And it had this really cool program where I got to go to Costa Rica for a year. Cool. And half of it was at the University for Peace. And then half of it was with the University University. for War. (laughs) Yeah, right. (laughs) Um, And so, uh, and because of COVID, I did not have to stay in D.C. Yeah. So... I got to move back home to Florida mm-hmm. um, and reconnect with my mom on her healing journey yeah. and really like spend time with her and kind of like rebuild our relationship and heal from everything that I had experienced in undergrad. Mm-hmm. And I also got to like start going to therapy. Yeah. So I was going to therapy and doing my master's online for that first year and then working as a bartender to pay for it because mm-hmm. this time I didn't have military funding for yeah. the master's. <laughs> but because I lived in Orlando and the COVID rules are very, very, very thin. Yeah. <laughs> 
everyone came there to party, like Mm. from all over the U.S. We had people coming there and bartending was a really good gig. And people were feeling very generous. So the tips were nice. And that really helped me pay off my master's degree without going into debt, which, which was like extremely blessed. And I got into EMDR therapy mm-hmm. um, to kind of work through some of that trauma. Yeah. And then I also started attending like sound healing mm-hmm. and stuff like that. And that really helped me like physically release the trauma. Because yeah. like, I found that I could like work through the things in my brain, but in my body, I could still kind of feel mm-hmm. like something was there. Right. And so the sound baths really helped me like release some of the things, some of them I remember just like, not even like, you know how like you feel like you're about to cry. Mm -hmm. I didn't even feel that feeling a lot of times and already like, it's already like the tears are streaming down my face, like just happening in the sound bath, which Mm -hmm. um, was a beautiful experience. Yeah. But I got to do that. And then a little bit feeling more healed. I then went to Costa Rica, which was like even more of a magical experience because there I got to find like that community Mm. with these people that I was in the same program with. And the school was really small. Yeah. So we had probably like only like 150 students, Mm. really. It was like on the side of a mountain and the classrooms were like indoor, outdoor situation. It was just the most beautiful place I had, you know, ever spent time like going to school in. And that really was a point where I think I got to change my mindset into focusing things on a lot more of a positive kind of viewpoint. Mm -hmm. And I also got to feel that community that I was looking for in undergrad um, because everyone there, everyone was kind of like a little bit older Mm-hmm. everyone was from all over the world too. Um, no one was just from America. It was people from all over the place. Older students are a very different energy because they're like, I really want to be here. Whereas undergrad students can be like, I was told that I had to go here and my parents are paying for it. So exactly. whatever. <laughs> exactly. And so it was, it was really cool to like partake in like a learning experience with people who um, had such different um, viewpoints from around the world. Mm -hmm. And I also got to just hang out with everybody and oh my goodness, Europeans party so hard, (laughs) like way harder than I had ever like partied with anyone. These, these people knew how to throw down. (laughs) (laughs) That's wonderful. Yeah. So that was like a really good part. And then from there, I ended up finding about this program. And And now we've come all the way back. Yep. Yep. So I'm curious, do you have any rocks in the room that you're in right now? Oh, yeah. I've got many rocks (laughs) in this room. Um, I want you to take a moment to go find a handful however many you decide of your most favorite rocks and then uh, grab a piece of paper. And if you have some post-it notes or just some little scratch paper that we can, we can write on. Okay. Gotcha. Okay. Okay. How many rocks do you have? I have five. Five. Okay. Wonderful. Um, And then I want you to take the piece of paper and a pen and 
I want you to write down your current challenge in a single sentence. Like if you were going to fit it on a, you know, post-it note and not write teeny tiny with a lot of commas, just write down as succinctly as you can the challenge that you're looking for clarity on. Okay. Or to work your way through. Okay. Okay. So what is the challenge? Moving forward uh, without fear and a sense of belonging. Got it. Okay. So go ahead and just clear out a space so you can just put that in the middle. And then we're going to activate your superpowers one by one. Okay. Okay. So I want to share some of the things that I heard in the story that you told. And this is a collaborative process, so I'm just going to be kind of plucking things out, and then we'll figure out what the word is together a little bit. Uh, so if, if I'm using a word that you don't resonate with, let me know, and we'll, we'll kind of tweak it and change it. And then if it seems like I'm missing one or there's something else that we want to include, uh, we'll keep it flexible, okay? So the first thing is curiosity. It seems like you are constantly looking under rocks, at rocks, learning about the rocks, finding the book that's next to the book about rocks, learning about that, finding a new subject, realizing that you've hit a dead end, switching gears, finding another new subject, and you're always following that curiosity and passion. Does that resonate with you? Definitely. Okay. So I want you to write that word curiosity if that if that feels good for you down. Okay. And then uh, which is your curious rock? I'd say this this little rainbow guy right here. Okay. Uh, tell me the story quickly of this rock. Uh, this rock is from when I went to Naples, Florida mm-hmm. um, with my partner to get a break from the world. And um, I found it at a little hole-in-the-wall shop. And mm-hmm. uh, they had rocks from wall to wall. And I've always wanted a rainbow rock because Mm. rainbow is my favorite color. Um, (laughs) (laughs) That you could not have said that any more perfectly. Rainbow is my favorite color. I love that. We're going to come back to that for sure. So go ahead and take where the little piece of paper that you wrote curiosity on and you're just going to set the rock on top of that. So we're going to be just attaching ideas to rocks. That's this exercise. Okay. Very cool. Yeah. Um, the next thing that I heard was building, uh, building dangerous tree houses in the woods, building for stagecraft, um, just doing physical things with your hands, um, having some element of physicality where you can construct something. Does that resonate with you? Yes. Okay. Do you like the word builder? I do. Okay. So go ahead and write that down. Okay. My rock. Yep. Or builder mm-hmm. will be this guy right here. He's a rose quartz pyramid. Oh, and where did this one come from? This one came from, uh, where was she from? This is a lady named Mary gave mm-hmm. me this one. And she was just a really cool lady that I met randomly <laughs> in <Yeah>. Orlando. <laughs> Love it. The next one is, there's a couple of words that we can choose, uh, community, friendship, connection, but your 
bringing friends together to go play in the woods and build these things. You're moving into new schools and you're not telling the story of, I was a military brat. I never made any friends. You tell the story of, I made friends over and over and kept those friends. And even up to today, finding the joy and bringing the PhD program cohort together and helping build community there. I mean, the difference in the experience from when you were at American versus your grad school was very clear. So which of those words resonates the most with you? Mm, I'd say community. Community. Yeah, I think that one was what I was going to go with too. What's your community rock? Say this little moonstone egg. Mm -hmm. And what's that one's story? This one is actually from my great-grandmother, who she had this sitting on her um, window seal. And when I was little, I always came over to play and with like her random rocks. Yeah. And I found that one on the window seal, and it was my favorite one. And I always played with it. And then one day she said, you can have it. Just take it. <laughs> mm-hmm. What a wonderful gift. All right. Number four. Um, I've been personally enamored with the word fantasy in a a whole new way lately, but I think that a lot of people in science programs and stuff have a reputation for not as much being into that kind of stuff. But from your childhood of playing in these make-believe worlds, I mean, stagecraft is the idea of creating imaginary things that people can experience. And I think your experiences with sound healing and, you know, some of these other modalities that you found in therapy. I mean, heck, you're you're sitting here with a wizard on his podcast right now. We could also call it imagination or something if we wanted. But how does the word fantasy sit with you? I I um I like it, but I also want to because I don't know, fantasy, I want to make more fantasies realities. Mm-hmm. I don't know if there's a word that brings together like like making fantasy real. Well, I don't know if there's. Would you a also word like to make more exists. realities fantasies? That's also a good point. Because yeah. <laughs> I think that's where my current infatuation has come from: is that we have this dichotomy, right, where something is either real or it's a fantasy, and instead of thinking of fantasy is derogatory you know i have a real problem if you call it a fantasy that's bad i've been starting to think about fantasies congeal into realities and the way that we can solve problems is often by releasing them back into a fantasy and thinking about it in ways that we're doing right now and using that kind of playful abstraction so if the word isn't sitting with you we can choose something else but that's the the thing that i was seeing of you know how do i take a painful experience and turn it into flowing tears and a vibrational sound healing. <laughs> True. I guess like, I feel like there isn't a word that, that conveys like creating fantasy into reality or bringing reality into fantasy. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I do love, I love some fantasy because I think some of our best ideas comes from we're living in a world of fantasy sometimes. I think so, too. So let's use fantasy for now, and you're always welcome to change this later on. All right. My fantasy rock is going to be this fluorite. It is like um, it's like two pyramids stacked on top of each other, like yeah. a diamond kind of shape. Like one of those Dungeons and Dragons dices. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> okay. 
We got one rock left, right? We do. So we're meeting for the first time. And I'm not going to pretend like I know everything there is to know about you, but we've sat in conversation. And so I think it'll be helpful for me to speak in a bolder way rather than a hesitant way. Is that all right with you? Oh, yes, please do. Can I tell you who you are? Sure. You are an imposter. You are somebody who is able to go into new situations, to impose yourself on those realities and to fit in. If kids are asking you about rocks and you can't answer those questions, you go and you find the answers and you bring them back. And so you're able to fulfill that role. And I think imposter is a word that is kind of loaded and charged and has a negative connotation. But I think you are embodying the most wonderful version of that. So we could call that a shapeshifter, a changeling, um, any other word that we might like. But I'm curious, is there a word that comes to mind when you think about that idea? Hmm. I asked to ponder it for a moment. Hmm. Yeah, I have nothing that comes immediate to mind, but I do, I do think like changeling definitely feels like like a good one because I do feel like I'm always taking on new forms Mm -hmm. depending on the situation that I'm in. Yeah. So I want you to write imposter on one side of a piece of paper and changeling on the other. Okay. That's funny because this rock is a toucan. (laughs) This rock was um, carved by, um, I think he's Nobe um, from Costa Rica. And carved from like a river, a river stone into a toucan. Is that rock a toucan? This rock is a toucan. Is it? Or it's something else. (laughs) It's a rock in the shape of a toucan. Oh, true. Yes. Yeah. That rock could have been a leopard. That rock could have been a lizard. Anything else. Could have been anything but it's a rock in the shape of a toucan. Okay. Yes. So put your challenge in the middle and go ahead and arrange your rocks and their words around it. Okay. Okay. So before we get into this next part, I just want to say that this is, this is all going to be a generalization and an abstraction. Everyone's everything. But we can think that some people are singular. There are people out there that grew up playing hospital with their cats and were volunteering at the animal shelter in high school and went to school knowing that they were going to be a vet. And they've always known they were going to be a vet. And that's the one job that they're ever going to have. And that's just always been the single thing. And that's who they are and what they want to be. And it's clear. I think other people, especially more often these days, are sequential. So we can kind of think of that as like a series of dots of, oh, I was an accountant, and then I worked my up to being a chief financial officer, and then now I'm on board of directors and I do financing for startups, whatever it is. You know, it's it's a sequence. (laughs) It's kind of like a Pokemon evolution. Or maybe there's some pivots and things. But I think some people are uh, multiplicities. And they don't want to wear a single hat 
basically ever. They always want to be free to look at something else, to explore something different. And the idea of one single essence is is very restrictive. Um, I went to school myself later because I didn't know when I was 18 (laughs) what I wanted to do. And I thought the idea that I was going to take a test in the guidance counselor's office and it would be like, botanist, like was going to somehow decide my fate. And when I finally decided to go back to school, it was because I thought I found a loophole and I could study journalism and then continue to study everything that I was curious about forever. You know, oh, I can write an (laughs) article on vibration and sound design at a new hospital. Oh, I can write an article about resource management in Costa Rica. Oh, I can write an article about Florida and stormwater management, you know, so on and so forth. Um, Eventually, I realized that I didn't want to be a journalist. And I thought Wizard offered a very similar thing. You know, a wizard can basically be anything at all. And now helping people, I get to learn about all of these things. So I think um, you said it so beautifully, and I'm going to think about this for a very long time of my favorite color is rainbow you you are someone that wants to check d all of the above you want a variety and so i think it makes sense right now when you're in a phd program that there's some discomfort because phd is a specialization right like yes phd is kind of saying all right (laughs) you've studied all the general things now what's the one little specific thing that you want to focus and it makes sense that there's this inner imposter shapeshifter change lane that is going no <laughs> wait a minute i want to plan a plants giving for my cohort and i want to go do a volunteer project and i want to do 80 other things because something is resisting being one thing i think that makes sense what do you think Yeah, I think that definitely makes sense. Um, I spend my free time exploring different concepts and stuff like that. I've really gotten into like alchemy lately and then Mm -hmm. like the archetypes of different things and so on and so forth. And then like, I never really spend my free time not exploring and like looking for new ways to do things. Um, And stuff like that. So I feel like that really resonates because it is pinning me down to like, okay, mm-hmm. focus on this one thing. And I'm like, no, 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 no. But this yeah. one thing affects so many different things. And I think that's also how I got into designing this framework that looks at things from like an ecological standpoint, um, a municipality and government, and then also a community standpoint is because I want to like tie all these things that people separate together into one thing. Um, And I think that can seem like a lot sometimes. And I think I'm afraid of not telling the story in the best way that I can, because there are so many different communities out there. And I know that. And I'm like, how is this one framework going to actually help people? And you don't know. It's going to have to be adaptable. Exactly. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. But I think... Who is going to create the adaptable framework other than the shapeshifter changeling imposter who has blown into how many different schools and towns and situations and figured out how to meet people, connect people, build community, learn, and understand? That's true. I think that um, I 
water down a lot of my experiences to like, oh, those were just life experiences. Those weren't the experiences that like built me as a human. Mm. Well, what builds you as a human if not life experiences? Exactly, right? (laughs) Yeah. So can you read your challenge again for me? I can. Uh, Moving forward without fear and with a sense of belonging. Okay. So how does each stone, we'll go through them one at a time and we'll save uh, the imposter stone for last. How does each one help you do that? I think um, the curiosity rainbow stone helps me see the, the bigger picture and helps me see further and deeper into the convolutedness that is our, our world. Um, Mm -hmm. And it also is, it allows me to see things from different perspectives. And then the fantasy one allows me to explore solutions and ideas that um, some people would deem as like kind of too far or impossible. Like, Mm. I think that one day we could have a society where we don't rely on money, you know? And I think um, that's definitely in some people's brain a fantasy. Mm -hmm. But um, I like to explore ways that we can bring those fantasies into our reality. Absolutely. And curiosity aids that. (laughs) Yeah, they work together. Exactly. Um, And then the builder stone helps me pull down the things that I find in the curiosity and the fantasy, like pull it down to the reality and make it like take form. And also by having the community around in the community stone, it allows me to see um, what parts of the community that can help bring that building that fantasy, building that curiosity into our world and what kinds of places the community actually wants to create Mm -hmm. and where, where people want to change and what they want to leave the same. And then our um, changeling imposter stone, I think it definitely helps me um, be, be more like water and like Mm -hmm. move around and and into the shape of things that are already there instead of um kind of forcing too hard Mm -hmm. i guess you know it kind of helps me helps the environment kind of mold me in a way and sometimes that's for the better and sometimes it's for the worse and so i think like that's a part of myself that I'm working on is when to remain solid and when to become water. Mm-hmm. To manage the storm water, you must first become the storm water. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So read your challenge one more time. Moving forward without fear and with a sense of belonging. Yeah. So what I want you to do now is take a moment and we're going to write what I'm going to call a triumph statement. So it's going to be set in the future as if all this has already happened. So it's, I have been able to move through fear. You know, it's already done. 
And then it's going to say, because, so, you know, repeat the triumph or the challenge as if it's already accomplished. And then I want you to have a single line for each of those stones leading up to the, the changeling imposter one. So I have been able to accomplish challenge because my curiosity helped me learn new things. My fantasy helped me dream the impossible and then when we get to the final one, it's because I am. And then pick whichever word is resonating with you for that final piece. And again, the words get to change for that one because it's the uh, <laughs> the nature of that one that it doesn't want to have a single fixed identity, but just have a definitive because I am and then pick whatever your favorite one is in this moment and okay. uh, take all the time you need and then we'll we'll review it. Okay. Okay. So what I'd like to do is just share a few more thoughts about fantasy. We'll talk about some of the ways to bring this spell into your life, and then we're going to have you triumphantly cast this spell. How does that sound? Okay. Sounds perfect. So since one of our themes today is clarity, I just wanted to clarify a little bit more this distinction between fantasy and real, because I think that's a very false dichotomy. And one way that can be helpful is to think about concreteness, not reality, but just kind of concreteness. And fantasies can be concrete, you know? So uh, the house that you are currently in is concrete, but it was also a fantasy, an idea of a house that became a blueprint and merged into reality through a continual process. Similarly, the U.S. government is a fantasy, that is a very concrete, very real fantasy that is shared by a lot, a lot, a lot of people. And it does have physical presence, but it also exists as ideas, as very abstract notions of patriotism and history and all of these kinds of things. And that doesn't mean that patriotism isn't real or it's only real when someone puts a flag's decal on the back of their truck. <laughs> and so... You can think about the treehouse that you built in the woods, right? On one sense, it was real in that it was physical, it existed, but it also really wasn't a house. You know what I'm saying? Like, <laughs> there wasn't a family that was going to move into it after you kids left. You know, it, it's not, it, it probably fails some of the attributes that we would consider a, a house to be. And yeah. so instead of just thinking of it's either a fantasy or it's real, we can think about it's a fantasy, which can be concrete or abstract, and it can be physical or non-physical. What we've been doing today is we've been taking these rocks, which are, are physical objects, but they are already imbued with fantasies because they each have a story. They're each meaningful to you in some way that is concrete. That meaning has a heft to it, that story of your grandmother giving you that. We can't touch that. We can't put that story on the table. We can only put the rock on the table. But that fantasy, that story, is just as concrete. Is that making sense? Yes. And so what we've done now is add a new layer of fantasy and story to these rocks. And we want that fantasy and story to be anchored. So we've anchored it to these rocks, these stones. So now... When you use these stones, you have something physical that you can hold in your hand and kind of ground yourself with that. But there's also the whole story of this is my grandma or I got this at a shop in Naples or 
you know, someone gave this to me in Orlando, et cetera, et cetera. But there's a news story about one time I <laughs> talked to a wizard and we empowered all of these rocks and these stones. And now they have a new layer of meaning of powerful fantasy that you can utilize. I like that. That makes, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Um, very, very cool. Um, yeah. I'm excited to empower these rocks. <laughs> yeah. So we're about to, so let's talk a little bit about how to use them. So as humans, we have different outfits. We have different clothes. I myself am a wizard, so I have a variety of wizard robes. And some of them are more comfortable than others. Some of them look great, but when I'm in an event in those robes, at a certain point, I'm like, wow, I'm really looking forward to changing into a t-shirt and sweatpants after this. Other times, I want to wear a suit. And again, I want to change out. And so changing clothes is very important, especially when you're a changeling, shapeshifter, imposter, because there's a discomfort that comes from being stuck in one outfit one role, one identity for too long and starting to fear, oh no, (laughs) am I just this thing? But what if I want to be these other things? And there's a like a kind of, I need to crawl, I need to shed my skin, I need to do something else. And I think what will be helpful is giving you a nice way to change between those. So if at any point one becomes a little bit itchy, you can go, oh, (laughs) I just need to take that off and put on something more comfortable for a little while. Uh So I'm going to have you cast the spell in a moment, but then what I want you to do, especially this week, try to get each one, but you know, continue to do it beyond and let this evolve. This shouldn't be one static fixed thing. This should be constantly changing, evolving. You can add new stones to the mix. Other stones can kind of split into different ones. It can, it can evolve. That's the whole point. But to take a moment when you want to switch gears, physically hold the relevant stone, and then just visualize who you are in that role. So what is the outfit that you would wear when you're curious? If you just think of a fantastic costume, is that you as a detective? Is that you in the library studying? What does that look like? And just visualize yourself taking off one set of clothes and putting that outfit on and stepping into that role and that identity. When you're done being a student for the day and you want to go hang out with friends, find that community one and take a moment and go, okay, when I close my eyes and think of myself in community, what am I wearing? What am I doing? What do I look like? And just take a moment to just practice this switching. Same thing as if you, you know, got out of uh, a class where you were looking through mucky stormwater and you're in a dirty lab coat, you take that off before you go out to dinner. And so when you get out of class, when you finish research for the day, when you're getting ready to go have fun, just take a moment to hold the stone and just change your outfit. Okay. That seems, that, that seems uh, like a really good way to like make that switch in my head and also like create that balance is like noticing Mm -hmm. when you are going from one thing to the next thing Mm -hmm. instead of it having being like this ever-ending like spaghetti noodle of (laughs) of what you are (laughs) and you're just like the same thing through through the entire noodle you have you're cutting the, the noodle up and putting it in different contexts which i think that also will help me create like that balance between um working and and enjoying myself yeah because your favorite color is rainbow you're not a single long spaghetti noodle you're a box of infinite color rotini (laughs) all the rotini of the rainbow (laughs) now 
The last element is that very special shapeshifter stone. And that's the one to use when you're feeling lost or uncertain or need clarity. And that's one where just sit with it and relax, do it out of sound healing, whatever feels right, and just check in and see what form am I taking now? Just imagine that one as a mirror that you can look into and you'll look different at different times and that's okay. That one's not supposed to stay a consistent thing in any way, but that's just there for you to take a moment to relish the fact that you are a shapeshifter and see what the shape is changing. And so you can just connect and commune with that. Mm. The funny thing about like that stone, which has taken the form of a toucan, is that when I was little, like one of the games that I did play was I pretended to be a toucan who was like running away from a poacher, which is kind of funny. (laughs) Exactly. And so, yeah, you know, take a moment, close your eyes, pretend to be a toucan. The toucan runs away from a poacher. The toucan lands at a bank and changes into a business suit and takes out a withdrawal, you know, just follow the (laughs) fantasy and see where it leads and just let it be shifting and amorphous and playful. It doesn't need to be consistent at all. It's delightfully, consistently inconsistent. Lovely. I love that. Okay. How are you feeling? Um, I'm feeling excited to use this new tool, um, in my life. And I think it's it's really interesting um, how each of like the the words that you picked like I think these rocks like really do symbolize those words. Mm-hmm. I had no idea what words you were gonna pick when you told me <laughs> to go get those rocks. <laughs> <laughs> Magic. Do you feel less nervous? I do feel less nervous. Do you feel like you have more clarity? I do. Good. So what I want you to do now is take a moment, center yourself. And then in the clearest, most confident voice you can summon from within, I want you to read your triumph statement. Okay. I have moved forward without fear, and I belong wherever I am. Curiosity has helped me understand the world and seek out ways to change it. Fantasy has shown me how to think outside of the box. Being a builder has allowed me to change and create a life I love and help others around me. Community has helped me co-create a new world because I am a changeling. Thank you, Fraser. Thank you, Devin. I believe in you. Your magic is real. Thank you. Uh, that's uh, that saying honestly has really helped me in a lot of like dark places in my life. Good. I hope it helps you in a lot of bright places as well. It has allowed me to move from the dark into the bright many times. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Shifting as always. Indeed. Thank yeah. you. Thank you. <laughs>